Are you an aspiring restaurateur ready to catapult your bistro into a global phenomenon? Join me as I unravel stories from inspirational entrepreneurs, gain insider secrets from successful business tycoons and passionate connoisseurs themselves. This is Angela Sudi and you are listening to Elite Mastery. Listen to new episodes released every week exclusively on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the show. Hi, good morning and welcome to Angela Sudi's podcast. Today I have a very special guest. I'm extremely happy to have on the show, Dariush Sudi. Dariush is the CEO and founder of the Be Unique Group based in Dubai. He uh, founded the company over 10 years ago now, originally from Iran, um, but built his career in the UK and then moved to Dubai. So we're gonna hear all about that story shortly. He's also a professional speaker and a thought leader, and he also happens to be my husband, which is why I'm a little bit nervous today. So welcome to the show, Dariush. Well, thank you for inviting me to, your, to my own office. You're welcome. I really appreciate this. <laughs> it's and my pleasure. Do you know what I love about the way that introduction was, that you only looked at your piece of paper three times <laughs> to remind you who I was. So <laughs> thank yeah, you so much. We no. did very well because I expected at least five times. Okay, well, thank you. So, so that's a good start then. Yes. And I think I stuttered so. once, so that's You didn't better. stutter. <clears throat> okay, great. So I think um, what I'd like to do today is really talk about different aspects of your life. Um, because I think, you know, behind the business consultant, people don't really understand who Darish is. You know, they see this uh, business guru, this entrepreneur, this individual with all this knowledge, but they don't really understand where that knowledge comes from. And for me personally, when I see you giving advice to companies, I you know, I wonder, do they really value where this information is? So I think it'd be really helpful for people to understand, you know, who is Darish? Where did your journey start? How did you get to where you are today? What lessons did you learn along the way on that journey that can help other individuals and budding entrepreneurs with their own journeys? Wow. <clears throat> I think you asked that long question, so I can talk for 45 minutes, Indeed, right? And that's a, you know, you're going to have to say one word again to <laughs> exactly. have this podcast. Really yeah. good question. Uh-huh. Where would you like me to start from? <clears throat> So from the beginning, you're from, you know, you were born in Tehran, mm-hmm. um, you lived um, in Tehran until you were 14. Why, why did you move at that stage to the UK? Okay, um, I think uh, more than anything else is as a child, I faced a lot of challenges. And I think as a child up to the age of eight or nine, it shapes the person you are. And then it's a choice that you have as an adult, whether you want to, you're happy with that person, the personality you've developed or you're not so we can always change so that's I'm not saying that I'm 54 and a 54 year old still is with that eight-year-old inside but that eight-year-old has a huge power over adults that we are today mm-hmm. so by the age of four I lost my father I was brought up around a lot of women so I'm extremely sensitive emotional and very aware of people's behaviors where most men that I know aren't because they've been brought up around lots of men my grandfather passed away three years after my father and these were the two people who were taking care of me. So automatically I realized that life is, is very short. The, most of us, again, I believe that we live life like it's forever. And I never want to have a life that I have regrets. And as you know, I like taking lots of holidays. Yeah, <laughs> we, we like taking lots of holidays because I really believe life's an adventure. So um, I've never been one for mundane continuous same thing fit in a box because i want i want my life to be a one-off 
uh, an adventure that and also I want to inspire people because I feel that I didn't have anybody at a young age to teach me anything right and I could have probably achieved a lot more in my life if I had some coach somebody to guide me and so I made the early decision age seven and eight that I was going to always treat people with respect I'm always going to teach them things that, uh, that could enhance their lives and I was a walking talking person who didn't settle to where he was born or the circumstances he was born in so I thought if I can do it anybody can do it because I'm not by any means the strongest fastest tallest um, slimmest uh, most attractive most intelligent in anything I've been on courses all over the world and I realized I am actually Mr. Average but I'm not the only Mr. Average the reason you're average is because most people are like you and I thought if I wasn't born with a gift how can I develop certain skills that can give me an outstanding life so uh, I've worked on those and, and I'm, I like to think that I'm a champion for the average person not man just average person male or female average being mm. you see for thank you and from my point of view I think you know looking at your sort of life journey I think that you you were born with a gift because you know you see so many children that are born into privileged lives they have you know fantastic parenting they have ready-made businesses to step into and yet they still take a different road whereas you know for you you didn't have that guide you, know, you didn't have a father figure you didn't have a grandfather to say okay this is the way let me teach you about business so the fact that you had that mindset when the odds were against you you know to really make those decisions for yourself I believe that is a it is a gift. Well, the thing is, often I think to myself was I was I was it a curse or was it a gift and I would give it all up today to spend five minutes with my dad. I understand that. So, uh, I understand. So, what the hell is money? But at what point? When love, love is everything. Did you feel, you know, in your, you know, your sort of childhood, going through your formative years, did you think, okay, I'm going to turn these experiences? Thank you for not showing one bit of emotion, but I'm getting all emotional. Sorry, I was trying to. As a wife, you didn't give me a handkerchief. Because I'm trying to make you not sad. I'm only joking. It's okay. But sadness is part of life, right? Yeah. So most of us want to have this fairy tale life, and life is hard. Do life you, is hard. Do you think that those experiences, you know, not having your father, do you feel that that created a driving force in you to maybe, you know, make him proud or be successful mm. and, you know, set yourself aside from people around you to, to achieve more? Uh, I honestly can tell you that actually earlier on in my life before I had children I, I actually wanted to live a life where like um, I was a daredevil I did everything to in a way subconsciously end it all because dad if I can die young like you would I be accepted would I be loved but when you have children a different sense of responsibility comes into your life and I always thought I want to be the father that I never had so and then you, you become more honorable, you have more values. You, 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 even, even now, as you know, my children age from 27 to mm -hmm. six. Even now, when I'm holding a meeting, I'm thinking, if my six-year-old was here now watching me, would he be proud of me? So your sense of responsibility changes. I guess I was more selfish, but now I'm more, I like to be more considerate towards the legacy I leave behind for my kids. Right, so. And that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. I think that's why you married me. I think that's why <laughs> I married you. That's beautiful. 
And do you feel that, you know, looking at your sort of heritage from Iran, because you left Iran when you were 14, and then you moved to the UK, so, <clears throat> you know, you moved to the UK, you didn't speak the language, you didn't know the culture, where do you feel, but then from 14 until moving to Dubai 11 years ago, you, you lived in the UK. So in terms of your sort of heritage and your culture, do you feel that you're more Middle Eastern or do you feel that you're more European or are you a balance of the two? Actually, I thought you were going to try to make me cry again. I'm not going to cry again. I wasn't. I'm going I to come I in, won't yeah? make you cry again. But I don't mind talking about my childhood. Um, <clears throat> one thing I knew that when I went to from UK, from Iran to UK, I wasn't like everybody else. My name is Mohammed Darius Sudi, as you know. Mm -hmm. And so I never fitted right from the beginning. I also I was the only foreigner at school. So although I was being bullied every day, even my teachers were bullying me and calling me names, I never quit. I never I couldn't go home and tell my mum, because my single mum, she had her own problems. So when I would go home and my shirt was torn on because I was getting a good beating, I would get a beating at home <laughs> because I couldn't take care of my uniforms. So I thought, you know what? I, I'm in this world by myself, right? So I've got to work hard to, to not allow external factors to defeat me. So I learned martial arts. I, I tried to excel at sports. I became a head boy at the school. And, you know, two years before, I couldn't speak English. Didn't stop the beatings. I still got bullied. But it kind of proved to me that you can do whatever you set out to achieve, right? And then I tried to use that bullying uh, because most foreigners, when you speak to them, they have a strong accent. And I tried to speak English without an accent because that resulted, that accent will result in a beating, right? So I just made a decision that I wasn't going to speak English with a foreign accent um, so I could fit in. But I never externally could fit in, but I tried to. Does that make sense? Okay. The external factors didn't accept me, but I tried to fit in because I knew as... A foreigner I wouldn't get on as well as I could in that environment mm -hmm. but I wasn't going to allow I wasn't going to be subordinate I wasn't going to be pushed around right? so I was going to do things my way but somehow I have to fit in when I when my business failed in, in the UK the only I tried I thought about going back to Iran then I thought you know that it, that country's changed mm -hmm. over the last revolution and everything else and England wasn't for me I just my DNA doesn't like gray <laughs> gray clouds and gray days and short dark days I like the sun and I was just we were just fortunate enough that my sister lived in Dubai so it was an introduction to this country and I fell in love with it because it's got the safety the systems of Europe and it's still got the religious beliefs be it not so um, strict and more open and more giving and it just ticks all the boxes never like paying taxes so the idea of I work, I earn, I keep uh, really appealed to me. And although it came later on in our lives, it served me really well. And I thank the leaders of the country. I thank the universe for offering me this opportunity, us the opportunity to give our children the best life they could ever wish for. Indeed, yeah. No, I agree with you. And I think, you know, you've had, you've run a success, you've run successful businesses in the UK and that's you know I think part of my appeal certainly to you you know as, as a husband as a partner as a businessman was that you've been on both sides of the coin so we had this discussion this morning about you know if we were looking for coaches who would we aspire to be coached by whether it's fitness or it's business or it's personal 
And I think in your case, you know, you've, you've built those successful businesses, you've lost them, and then you've rebuilt them again. And that to me, you know, is, is very appealing because you walk, you talk. You know, you've, you, the businesses from the UK versus your businesses here, in your experience, what are the differences, you know, running a successful business out of Europe with all the rules and the regulations and the restrictions, and then coming here and starting from scratch? Because when you came here, you, you started from zero and you built a business in a, in a very short period of time, you know, to a successful level. So in your experience, you know, which market is easier for young budding entrepreneurs to penetrate into the market and to be successful for themselves? Great question. But I'd like to start by saying that, so you didn't marry me for my looks? That, that, was, that was the other factor, <laughs> of course. Okay. And my great body? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, <laughs> okay. So past that shallow answer. Um, actually, I really believe that if I go back to England or anywhere in Europe or anywhere in the world, I could do this quick. Okay. It's just that Dubai and its leadership and the way it works and the openness changed my mindset. Now I could I couldn't imagine. I know you were born in in valleys. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, somebody who's born in a valley and leaderships leaders have been um, known to not to be born in flatland, because in a valley you only see what's in front of you and you don't see distances. And I can only look at my life and I think when I was in England I felt I was in a valley okay mm -hmm. and I come to a country of desert where I can see 10 kilometers away and that's how I feel I feel that it doesn't really matter about the, the actual country now my mindset has changed my view of the world has changed so um, I feel a lot more empowered now the good thing about Europe is that in London you have 14 million people within an hour drive so if I was going to start a business, I'd definitely start in London because I can do market research in, in an hour. Mm -hmm. Here, you have to drive everywhere. The whole population of this city is 4 million. The whole population of the country is 10 or 12 million and half of them are you know, below living standard uh, professionals. So um, I think the rewards are higher in Europe, yes. Um, but then the expansion and the attitude of business is better here. Uh, because they're more entrepreneurial, it's a younger country. The majority of people are under 40, whilst mm -hmm. in the UK, majority of people are over 70, yeah. you know, and, or Europe, should I say. Um, also, I think with Europe, there's this claustrophobic feeling. When I go from here to Europe, not America so much, but then I'll explain what I think of America as well. The roads are smaller. Yes, there's, not, there's only one lane. More narrow. Yeah, narrow. It's terraced houses, you know. Here, the houses were built, the roads were built after. In England, there were horse-drawn carriages, and then they just happened to build cars afterwards. So, even when I go to France, when we go to France or Italy, the rooms in hotels are small, yeah, it's and you feel claustrophobic. And I just like space, you know. And and it's like my mindset. I like, I like silence, as you know, solitude. I like space to think. And um, although it's beautiful character history, we live on the palm, and from the palm to the airport, it's a good half an hour drive, but we don't have one traffic light. True. You know, we go 200 meters in England, there's three traffic lights, two roundabouts, and two pelican crossings. Mm, absolutely. Right? Uh -huh. So, and it's the same with the US. Maybe they have seven lanes, but it take you half a day to go from A to B because mm. there's traffic. True. So, here you've got speed. 
you got freedom, you got space. Whilst in Europe, you're claustrophobic. In the States, it's traffic. And so I can't imagine a better place to, to work in than Dubai. What, what Again, about thanks to his vision of his leaders. <clears throat> Amazing. We're okay. blessed to be here at the right time in the right place. Mm -hmm. I, I agree fully. What about, so that's business. What about for your life, like on a personal level? If you were not here, you know, because of business and growing the, you know, the business, if you were looking at, okay, business now is at a level where maybe it doesn't need your attention so much and you wanted to live and enjoy life and slow down because the pace here is very fast, you know, we're on a million miles an hour all of the time, you know, Dubai is a very, very moving and a very transient city. So if we were looking at, <clears throat> in terms of for yourself, you know, where, where would you want to, to live? Is that an indirect answer? So you can later like, after this podcast say, next did you say Sydney? <laughs> did you say Sydney where, when I like where, Melbourne? Yeah. No, this yeah. is the way of manipulating the podcast yeah, to see I where our next that. move yeah, will yeah, be. Yeah. Oh, um, okay, <laughs> I think in life you go through different stages, right? So right now we're still trading. And I love to, unfortunately, this damn Corona stopped us trading around the world and traveling so much. But I love to have a business in the US, Europe and here. Um, I'm a nomad. So... Although I love traveling, I like different seasons, different seasons, different countries. So ideally, I like to have an apartment in autumn in New York. I like to have an apartment in summer in London. I like to have uh, a, a sort of chalet in winter in Switzerland. So different parts of the world, and I love spring in Dubai. Mm -hmm. So I don't like to travel with any cases. All my clothes are there, those houses and apartments. I arrive, I live. I get bored, I move on. And I think we, we work like that together, don't we? We get yeah. bored quite easily. And, you know, how many more days have I got left? Yeah, if I gave you, let's say, if I gave you $10,000 now, and I say to you, spend $1 a day, okay? It's not a lot of money, okay? I don't have 10,000 days left. You know, now we're, we're in a situation where, you know, our youngest son is, is six, so you, you know, you have, you have four children, four beautiful children. We have two of the most amazing children together. And then, you know, I have two incredible stepkids. We are very blessed. So I think, you know, looking at the life cycle of all the children, you know, Ali and Yasmin now are independent, they're young adults, they don't really need us. But for Kain and Kaden, and you know, the younger ones, they very much need, you know, parental support. Kaden's only six, Kain's 13. You know, he's coming into those key teenage years and already we can see you know sure. challenges in him that maybe we've never had before you know his personality is forming sure. so we i think you know as a, as a couple as a family we know that at the moment for the next you know few years while they're going through their education they need a level of stability you know and they like that level of stability they like to be around their family they like to be around their friends you know but for me i see that when those the younger kids grow and they then step into the shoes of Ali and Yasmin and become more independent. I also see a life of travel. And I think that, you know, the world is very small now and we have the means to be able to do that. You know, from your point of view, you love traveling. So, you know, this whole COVID situation and having that freedom taken away, you know, how have you dealt with that internally? Well, we kind of still traveled, right? We just found countries that there was no okay. restrictions, right? <laughs> yeah. We're actually traveling in three days, but, um, there was some thank you for your question um first of all as you know your stepchildren are they call them stepchildren right 
kids. Kid, and they're older so, kids, yeah. 27 and 25. You said that they don't need us. Actually, I think they really do. The fact that they are the kids that they are, although they're adults, is that they know we're there, right? The fact that they know we're there fulfills their need. Mm -hmm. And they can pick up the phone and they know they're going to get total unconditional love. If that wasn't there, they will suffer. So we think that our 13-year-old, 6-year-old need us most. The 27 and 25-year-old need us as much. But they just know it's there, if in that makes sense, way, in a different way. So that need for love never reduces with age. It's just that they're not, you know, they need, if we don't feed our kids, they'll suffer, the, the 6 and the 13-year-old. Okay, mm -hmm. so they need us. But the 27-year-old and 25-year-old, they can feed themselves. So they need us in case of support, but love is the same. Mm -hmm. They still need the same guidance and support and love. As they get older, they test, because nobody wants to live the life of the parents, right? They want to say, let me live my life with your values. Don't criticize me, support me, guide me, and I love you so much, and I'll come to you and share with you my failures um, without fear, okay? Mm -hmm. And I think, the reason we have, thank you God, the universe, we have such incredible kids, is because we brought them up with unconditional love. And they know that their home is always going to be safe. Their home is always going to be a place where they're going to be loved and adored and cherished. And, and one of the sad parts is they never leave. <laughs> right? So I don't think that travel ever is going to happen because they never leave. Or oh, we'll have an additional tag along along the way on each journey. Yeah, maybe. called grandkids. <laughs> so... Um, so to answer your question is that if we live to be old enough and healthy enough, I'd love to travel with you knowing that our kids always know they're loved. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree fully. And the thing is, right, for instance, I'm going to go to, I want to go to a course three and a half weeks down the line. And I know there's a calling for me in this course. But honest truth, I'm not just saying this, is that the course won't be the same if you're not there, mm. right? So, because we all need others to share our loved, loved ones, to share our experiences with, mm. okay? And I just hope that when our kids are old enough to travel by themselves, they always have somebody to share their experiences with, be it us, be it their siblings, or be it their partners, mm -hmm. that they can unconditionally share those moments. No, I, I agree fully. You didn't realize I was so wise, did you? No, I always knew. We should do so. more well, podcasts. Well, that's why I've invited you onto my incredible podcast. Yes. That's why you said, <laughs> if it doesn't work out, you delete everything. Right? I don't recall okay. ever saying that, sorry. <laughs> and that's so, called marriage. <laughs> yeah, selective memory. Yeah. So let's look at your parenting style then. So, you know, from Caden, uh -oh. you know, we have the four kids, very different personalities. And I think, you know, I know personally that I parent the children in different ways based on their personality. So let's look at your parenting style. You know, how do you feel that your parenting style has developed? Because when you had your first two kids, you were in your 20s. You know, now you're older, you're wiser, you're, you know, a lot more stable um, mentally, financially, emotionally. So how do you feel that, you know, as a busy, you know, businessman, a husband, how do you juggle that, that parenting? How do you juggle to make sure you give even attention to all four kids? And how does your parenting style differ between the four of them? I think when you have children when you're young, I was a dad at 27, when you have children when you're so young, you 
you're on your own path. You're a young person, you're still developing your own personality and learning. At the same time, you have a lot more energy. So I remember with Ali, our 27-year-old, that I used to spend a lot of time with him on the squash court, on a badminton court, and because I've always been a fighter, the poor thing was in the car listening to me talking about fighting and winning and this and that and never quit. And so that's why he's such a leader is today. But maybe he didn't have as much... If you ask him, you think he's had a wonderful childhood, but I think it's like when you say to people, do you want to go to university? And the ones who've been to university say, I didn't learn much, but I had lots of fun, uh-huh. right? Maybe being so driven as a father I took a lot of his fun away. He wouldn't think so. But maybe I did. And But he became a leader. He was captain of his team. He was a leader everywhere he went. He was looked up as uh, as an ath- top athlete in everything he did. And even now, as we know, mm-hmm. he's a leader and his sense of work and honor and everything is incredible. So I like to take some credit for it. Now, I had that my ex-wife wasn't as engaged as you are. So I had to be a mother and a father and a carer and a businessman. And because looking after the kids was my number one priority, I kind of lost myself. Mm-hmm. Well, with you, because you're more engaged as a woman, as a mother, I had had, I've had more time to be the man I wanted to be. Uh-huh. But I don't have the same level of energy as I did when I was 27. So I can afford to have football coaches, right? Before I was the football coach. So. Um, the love is everything that has not stopped actually even i think now i give more love and time quality time to our little ones than i did to ali and yasin because i was always striving now i'm not striving so much often i go and pick up the kids from school i hardly ever did that with ali and yasin and i guess my only regret is that i didn't spend enough time mm-hmm. because when time goes it's gone you never get that back. never get that back and so does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, kind of. it does. It does. Um, you know, par- in terms of parenting style, you know, would you consider yourself to be a strict parent? Are you quite relaxed? Do you advise them? Is that the way that you would teach? And well, guide obviously them? not strict enough because our two boys give us so much cheek. <laughs> yes, but you know, I think you know, and people who know me know, and my family know that the kids really poo themselves when it comes to me. That's right? true. And it's not, we have a dog that poos herself every time she sees me. And I think it's not because, I think it's my tonality, I think it's my certainty that they know how far they can push. Mm. But, mm. but last night, and when I say I count to three, on three, <laughs> if they haven't done something, they know hell's gonna it's coming. loose, right? <laughs> yeah. So a six-year-old last night, because you were in another room, I said, I'm gonna count to three, and I said, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Pushing I'm like, you little bugger, six-year-olds, uh-huh. you're testing me. And I thought on three, I thought, I've got to really make him pay for this, right? So I, I won't tell you what I did, but when he counted three, I was lying there. I literally attacked him, you know, in a funny way, lying there. Of course. Yeah, so he was giggling, and at the same time, I didn't stop because I wanted to realize that this is you're pushing your boundaries. Yeah, yeah it's not just any three, it's my three. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm sure next time, and he had to run off laughing and crying at the same time because he knew. You know, it's like having a wild horse and if you, you want to ride it, you've got to break it, right? Within, yeah, so course. I think I'm quite good at that. They, they know I love them. Even if I'm having a go, I say, listen, I love you, but you screwed up here. Yeah, I never, ever take my love away. And um, so to answer your question, strict, 
It hurts me when I tell him off, but I know it's needed. Am I right? Probably 70% of the time I'm wrong. Yes, but we're humans, right? Of course. But as you said, love is everything. You know, they know that all four of them, from Ali right down to, you know, Caden, they, all four of them know I think so. That no matter what time of day, morning, noon or night, they come in the house, that you know, they're welcomed with love and open arms and kisses and hugs and What would you have done? I'm gonna cry again. Yeah. What as would a child. you and I have done for that? Yeah. Right? That pff, I used to come home and I was dismissed, like I didn't exist. Um, yeah. My my stepfather was an alcoholic. When I used to when I used to come into the house, I had to pretend I didn't exist. I had to put my shoes in a certain way, the front entrance, sneak so he didn't, his, our eyes didn't cross path. I had to, used to sit watching television, he was addicted to whiskey and television. And when I walked in, I couldn't distract him from watching TV. So Otherwise I had to, you oh, I'd be chastised. And then, not that I'd be chastised, because I know my mom loved me, it'll create a massive argument between them. So because I love my mom so much. You just decided I just to be small. took it, I yeah. just took it. So now I like my space so much because I spend so much time on my own, mm -hmm. right? With my music, with my creativity. Again, that served me well now because my creativity has got us to where we are today. Mm -hmm. But at yeah. the same time, on, on the positive note, you know, you, you didn't take those experiences and make them into a negative. You're not cold. Well, I tried killing warm. myself. No, I tried killing myself but I mean, so many times. I mean today as a parent. Like, as a parent, you know, monkey see, monkey do. I was abused, therefore I'm an abuser. Mm. That's not you. No, we you decided, I decided that it's going to stop with me, right? Because I've got to give my mom some credit, right? So um, she could have easily been defeated, but age of 29, with two kids, she left Iran with no money mm -hmm. and started a new life. Didn't speak the language. Didn't speak the language, still doesn't, <laughs> barely. But you know, also it's this sense of responsibility because all my life I've been told that I've got to take care of everyone. So I guess that was installed in me, maybe brainwashing, whatever it is, but I couldn't let go. Mm -hmm. I had to provide, right, so. Maybe. Do you think that, because that's one question that I had I wanted to ask you during this podcast, you know, as a, as an employee, you know, you have somebody saying, be at the office by nine, you know, work till six, work till seven, these are your tasks and this has to be done. As an entrepreneur, you know, you don't have anyone behind you saying, get out of bed, get to the office, you know, drive the business. It's, it all comes from within. So I think, you know, coming from an entrepreneur's perspective, you have to be so highly motivated because it is easy to say, oh, you know, I'll just take the day off. I have nobody to answer to. And we to. do. You and I do. When we, we're comfortable, <clears throat> yeah. we relax, right? We do relax. But at the same time, you know, you, you've always had that drive within you. Even if you relax, the next day you're back out there again, you know, and you're pushing and you're striving. So do you think that those experiences from childhood installed that motivation? We come across many people. They come, they say, you know, I want to start this business. This is my life dream. We say, okay, great. Then meet us at six in the morning. Oh, six is a little bit early. You know, they, they kind of, they want it in their mind. But when it comes to you know, taking action and actually delivering, they they don't, they make excuses. You don't make excuses, you get the job done. Or even if I've been a dick, I say it, right? I say it, and the reason is that I like to think I don't allow my ego mm -hmm. to blind me from the truth. So the reason those people 
don't wake up at six or five to get to the appointment at six and get ready and professionally adhere dressed and everything is because they don't they don't acknowledge the pain they're in okay so they live in this cloud cuckoo denial. land in denial they wanting but they are accepting which is this is something you and i don't understand mm. they're accepting the shitty situation they're in mm -hmm. okay so i think i said to you at the beginning that i've been brought around women i'm very aware of my feelings and senses and stuff so i'm that way i'm blessed and i do think women are much more powerful sexes than men i think we're idiots really do i think we just the fact that everybody's <laughs> nodding here i think it's the fact that we're just bigger physically that's about the only superior thing that we have everything else we're morons um, women are by far the superior sexes. So, um, I've always, I've always wanted to be away from the pain and guided towards the pleasure of achieving something. So, I think most people avoid even thinking about the pain, uh -huh. right? And they just don't find it inspiring enough to get up early, be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But when I wake up in the morning, I, I constantly am aware of where I'm coming from, which is painful and I never want to go there, mm -hmm. and a drive of wanting better mm -hmm. in my life. So you've got the pull and the push. Yes, yeah. And most people just have the pull and it's not strong enough. And it's not sustainable. It will pull you for a certain denial. time, but then... They live in denial because uh -huh. they look at you and I and they think, oh, these guys are happy and positive and smiling. And it's easy. And it's easy. They, they're just born that way. But you know... You know I don't sleep at night. I get about an hour or two hours of sleep a night. It's a choice to wake up in the morning True. with back pains and neck pains and lack of sleep and all sorts of things. And then come and try to be inspiring. Yes, yeah, sir. Right? So, but then that energy is getting lessened with, with age. I'm not as consistently inspiring and hard working as I used to be. So I've got to be more efficient. Mm -hmm. And change. so what, you know, with that in mind, looking at your driving forces and, and what keeps you moving. What advice would you give you know, to young entrepreneurs now? Because you know, we live in a world now where, back when we were kids, you know, if you wanted to find information, you were down at the library, you were looking for the book, you were standing in the rain, you, know, you had a certain time to take it back. Now everything is just so easy. You know, the internet gives us a wealth of information and I'm not sure sometimes whether that's a positive or a negative because also that makes individuals, it's too easy, it comes too easy. So for you, you know, if you were to sit down with a group of budding entrepreneurs, you know, who wanted to be successful in their own businesses, what advice, or what, what three key what things you would want, you say? What do you want? Is it what you want is clear enough? Mm -hmm. When do you want it? Mm -hmm. And what are you prepared to sacrifice? Mm -hmm. So what do you want, when, and what sacrifices be specific. you make? Yeah, what sacrifice are you gonna make to get you there? Because you're gonna make sacrifices. Traits, what personality traits do they Doesn't need matter. To okay. If you if you Just prepare to work hard, yeah. If you prepare, uh -huh. to, you learn from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. If you work hard enough, you'll make it. Mm -hmm. Value yourself. Yeah. Don't undervalue yourself. And confidence and value comes from experience. So if you're not going out and knocking on doors, gaining experience, learning from it, you're always gonna be weak. Uh -huh. Kill the ego. Look at yourself in the mirror. Learn from your mistakes. Grow every day. Yes, don't be a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. Don't give a shit about what people think about you. Of course, give a shit about what your wife and your family and your kids think of you, that's important, yes. but not anybody else. And too many of us waste time listening to others' miserable lives, yes, and people who actually 
prefer you to fail in life because it makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. They say you know when you speak to some people, eighty percent of people listening to your sad story don't give a damn, and the other twenty percent think, "Thank God it's you and not them." Right. Me. So yeah. nobody gives a shit. Yeah. So um, I think most people tell their crappy story or how hard of it because it makes them feel good and loved and connected. They get that connection mm. from. So don't care. Mm-hmm. Look in the mirror. Have that honest. You hear about the bathroom moment. Mm-hmm. Getting that bathroom. Close the door. You're away. You don't have to pretend to be a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or a son and a father. Just have an honest conversation with yourself in the mirror. And because at the end of the day, you know what? We've got to be answerable to our God. Yeah. Right. And God is within us. True. <clears throat> True. Thank you. That's beautiful. So my last question. That's it. Uh, actually, I might have two more questions. Oh, bloody hell. I don't know how long have we done? Yeah. It's been not like, long at not all. Long. Okay. It feels like longer. Um, Thanks. No. <laughs> they say time flies when you're having fun, right? So. It's <laughs> just an opposite. <laughs> okay. Um, back, just back to work quickly. You know, we, we obviously we work together. You know, husband and wife working together and our oldest son also works in the business. So... You know, when I'm looking at successful businesses, I like to see, you know, the breakdown. Who is, you know, who are the directors? Who are the ones that are driving this business forward? You know, in this environment, we have personal and we have business. So from your side, um, what, what challenges do you face working with family, working with your wife, working with your son? And at the same time, what benefits do you face working with your family members? Well, we tried hiring other family members and it failed miserably because we weren't vibrating on the same level, right? So again, they were wanting, but they were not prepared to give. Mm-hmm. They were not prepared to sacrifice. The three of us are prepared to sacrifice. What I, there is no concerns. We are on the same goal. We have the same values, same mentalities, everything, same desires. And here's the thing, because we went through shit together, yes. right? What I do worry about is how our younger kids are gonna behave when they come to the business. How are my, Ali's children are going to behave because they haven't seen shit. They've not it's seen the be, to get to this level. It's going to be everything hunky-dory. What's going to happen to their emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. right? Because it's the second and the third, third or fourth generation that always screw up. The grandparents work them, because they've right? never seen hardship. Yeah. So I would like to, again, it's a conversation you and I need to have, is how we're going to bring Kain and Caden up, that they value things, right? Like relationships with staff. Um, how hard it is to build a business yes what if you screw it all up you know we have this conversation about they earn more pocket money than I in, in a week that I did in six months right Absolutely. and saving is that a good thing to save what are you going to do is there a plan with the money to save mm-hmm. or do they just every weekend every time they go to the mall they feel they have to spend that money mm-hmm. you know those traits and values and habits are really really important now that we install in them because again one day they're going to be only borrowing them. Right? They'll be so, off on their own and yeah. their own path. And yeah. yeah. And if you talk to them now, they both kind of want to come work in the company, right? But what company are they going to run? Mm. How are they going to run it? Are they going to run it to the ground? <laughs> or are they going to build it? So, yeah, but we, we again blessed because they see Ali as a, as a, some as kind a of father role, figure, yeah. role model, and he'll guide them. But I worry for Ali's kids. I worry for other son's kids or my daughter's kids. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, in 
both you and I come from a very similar background in terms of our childhood. You know, we were not affluent. We both came from working class families. So, you know, we were not, um, you know, overly exposed to gifts and treats and toys and dining out, you know, looking at, and we've had this conversation many times, you know, how do we make sure that we maintain that level of grounding in the kids? Mm. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, we have this big thing about, but we, we want to live an abundant life. We want to show abundance without it being wastage or taken for granted or having that level of appreciation. I think, although we had similar childhood, we had massively different childhoods. I'll explain to you why. My mom is, God bless her soul, and she's still with us, and I hope she's listening, is extremely materialistic, right? Although we were from a very poor background, she was always wanting, she was always wanting to be rich. Okay? Now, did she have the mentality of a rich person? No, because she wasn't educated or she didn't understand, but she was always wanting. So the question I always ask myself, why? Why can't I have that? Mm -hmm. Why can't I have that house? Why can't I? Because to her, it was always, they're better, they're better than you, they've got better houses, better this, better. And I always wanted to get my mom's love, so I always wanted that. With you, you had a ton of love. True. You had loads of love in your life, mm -hmm. but the language of money didn't, wasn't correct in your household. True. Right, so whilst I had the money side, I didn't have that love and connection, you had that, but you had, in my opinion, um, a poor money education, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I think maybe the universe has brought us together. To balance To balance together. it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that, if you don't mind me saying in the last 14 years, I've heard you change the way you speak about money. Mm -hmm. and. I've changed the way I live my personal life. And I think it's, it's enhanced both our lives. Sometimes painful, sometimes fun, sometimes educational, but always memorable. True. And hopefully that, you know, that balance will filter down to, uh, <laughs> to the kids. Yeah. That's what you hope. I think we've got to believe in the future. I think, I think the universe, the world is in better hands. It's going to be in better hands. People, kids are going to care more about the environment. They're far smarter than every, all our four kids. They get, the younger they are, the smarter they are. True. So I actually see it that the DNA, the kids in the future are going to be far better looking than us. They're going to be stronger than us. They're going to be taller than us. They're going to have less hair than us. They're going to be, you know, they're just going to be Very enhanced evolving. beings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. The, of course, emotionally and mentally and caring, they're going to be better as well. So the, I think the earth, the planet is in better hands. It's going to be in better hands in the future. Mm -hmm. So right now we're just going through crap, you know, and, and I believe lots of governments trying to control us, movement, movement of money, movement of thoughts. Freedom. Uh, freedom of gathering. Gather, you know, we are tribal people and they're even trying to kill that. So, but I do think there's going to be a revolt. I do think people are going to say, no, you bigger beings can't control us anymore. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm a hopeful. I agree. I think when, when I was, when I was, sorry, when I was six, people used, and I was in this late 60s, early 70s, people used to talk about the world's going to run out of oil, uh -huh. right? In 20 years, the world's going to run out of oil. Um, the population is growing so fast that we can't feed them, right? This found oil to eternity, right? There's going to be oil for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and then there's liquid gas. Then there's the shells that they can get oil from. Then there's, you know, there's, we've brought out um, the way we treat earth. We can produce six, seven, ten times more food from the same soil as we did 40 years ago. 
and that's all through knowledge and um, change. Mm -hmm. I'm not all for good, but you know we've gone and screwed up the environment, right? Our food aren't like they used to be. They don't carry the same amount of vitamins and protein, whatever. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, but humans are resourceful. Mm. We'll find a way. Sure, and and constantly educating and evolving and growing, you know, as yeah. well. I look at the conversations that I have with you know our two youngest children and I don't remember ever having conversations like that with my parents maybe again because we were you know like you say we lived in a village it was a small community so we maybe we tried maybe we tried and we just didn't get the right answers right oh, I maybe. think we just we were not so exposed to it I mean back when we were kids I remember we used to go to the market when we were children and there'd be two elements of you know you'd go to your local market and you'd have a market store there with all the food and veg and there'd be one section that was organic that was you, know, you went to farm. a market that had organic. Well, uh, it's, it's farm vegetables. Right. And then there was the other section that lasted that. longer. Mm -hmm. And you paid more for the products that lasted longer. The ones that came from the farm that rotted within two or three days, they were the cheap products. You paid more mm -hmm. for these that had the pesticides. There was no education. There was no education. And now, you know, looking back as a child, I think, oh God, how naive we were. We thought that was the way. Buy a tomato that will last you five days, it's worth it. But buy this one that lasts you a day and a half, no thank you, we don't want those, no, they go off too quickly. Yeah. And now, you know, through education and knowledge, everything's, now you go to the organic store and it's three times more expensive than your local supermarket. So how things are changing and, and evolving. And even now, you know, I have conversations with, you know, with, with children and they talk about, you know, we're very aware of where does that plastic waste go? Mommy, I've got this plastic bottle, where's the plastic recycling bin? We never knew about things like this when we were kids. It was still there, you know, wastage was still there. But now, you know, on a global scale, there's a lot more education, a lot more knowledge. Yeah, they're more aware, aware about the Amazon. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And that's not because at home we put the news on and we watch the news. We don't watch TV. You know, this is the children going Access out there. Ask, yeah, absolutely. They've got, you know, wealth of information from the internet. Mm. You know, so I think that that is a huge positive. One thing I did want to ask was... Um, Can I tell you my only concern? Sure. As, as company owners, we come across lots of people who take advantage of us, borrow money, never pay back, lie, cheat, steal. All I hope is that they're going to be resilient enough and we don't bring them up in some kind of a protected cocoon mm -hmm. that doesn't have them prepared for bad people. Now, I know you and I have this conversation, some, some conflict, because you see the good in everyone. But then, if somebody goes and murders 50 people, they're not good people. I agree. Okay, now, that's an extreme. But there are people out there who are actually bad people, mm. right? And I look at someone and I think, you know, they're a bad person, but they must have a really bad childhood, <laughs> okay? Now, I've realized to think that unless they're willing to see themselves, I just don't want them in my life. Mm. Okay, because they're going to carry the hate and pain and they're going to hurt and pain and they're going to bring it to our life. I just hope that our children don't expose themselves to that pain or those people like you and I did. Mm -hmm. And they go in a little wiser and more aware that there are bad people out there. Like or not, there are going to be murderers and cheats and thieves and, and we have them more, not totally guarded, they don't live their lives, but not totally naive to lose everything or get mm. hurt badly. These are mm. my only concerns. That's actually a very good point. And I think, you know, going one step further from, from that, <clears throat> you know, recently we've looked at 
getting the kids, you know, they want to do a YouTube channel, for example, they love being in front of the camera. One thing I struggle with, because I was never raised in front of a camera, is being in front of the camera. I don't like photographs, I don't like being videoed. So I'm a lot more reserved when it comes to being at this side of the lens as opposed to that side of the lens. Whereas I watch the kids and when you know they're filming, they're just, it's almost like they come alive in front of the camera because you know now kids today, they're so much more used to screens than we are. They do online schooling, they're on Zoom with their teachers, they're on Microsoft Teams, they're constantly Snapchat, you know, Instagram. So they're subjected to this world of seeing themselves outside of themselves. And I know you and I have had many conversations about exposing the kids <clears throat> online to potential threats. So my, my theory is very much, you know, I'm very hesitant to have the kids out there on the internet and, and have that level of threat that, you know, could potentially attract. Um, whereas, you know, from, from your side, you're a little bit more at ease with the kids being online and doing their YouTube channel than maybe I am. So I think, not that we have a conflict, I think we have a mutual respect for each other's views and each other's concerns. Um, but I do worry that by going down this path with the kids, it might subject them to unnecessary cyberbullying or online or you know bullying from school friends, you know mm -hmm. online trolls, whatever mm -hmm. the situation is. So, and my, my natural instinct as a mother, rightly or wrongly, is to protect. I don't want them to be you know, out there in that big wide world just yet, because they're still small. Maybe later when they're older and they've got more experiences, I might feel differently, but at the moment I have reservations you know, with, with the kids being online. So, you know, share your thoughts. Well, I respect your thoughts. Mm -hmm. We live in a world and you can never escape it. We live in a world of social media. You cannot escape it. I don't give a shit about people who say, I want my privacy. There's three types of people in my opinion. People who don't mind sharing their lives and views and checking on other people. People who like their privacy. People are hiding, okay? So when somebody says, I like my privacy, I say, what are you hiding? Okay, because the world is changing. Like it or not, we live in a world where we're transparent. If you are a company director, you're gonna be on LinkedIn. If you're going to be an owner of a business, you're going to be on a social media platform. The world has changed. The only difference is that people see reality. Before, it used to be a media company or a PR agency sent out certain truths about a certain superstar. Well, now we know if the Kardashians have an argument. We know within five minutes the whole world knows. So that filter has stopped. Mm. Okay? And that's the uncomfortable bit. What I don't um, agree with that people should know our home address. People should um, know where we hang out, yes? That leaves them open. But being exposed online, it's not so, it's such a bad thing. That's the future of the world. It's the future of the world. And the more people you affect, you serve, you give, the more successful you become and more rich you become, right? And the fact is, our children have a gift. My, our first two don't have that gift that these two have, right? So they won't fit. It's just like we've got two Usain Bolts and we're going to prevent them from running, right? They have a gift. Everybody's seen them. says mm -hmm. they have a gift, right? So why not play to that gift? As long as we're protecting their personal information. Mm -hmm. Because yes, the more people you affect, you're going to have more haters and trollers. And I have haters I've never met, right? 
Yeah, and I, I, I understand and I, you know, respect, you know, sort of your, um, your opinion. I think at the same time, as adults, we know, you know, if I go online, I know what potentially could be the benefits and I know what could be yes. the repercussions because I'm older, I'm mm -hmm. wise, and I've got experiences. I think when it comes to, you know, not just our kids, but children in general, mm -hmm. you know, going online and using these online platforms, mm -hmm. sometimes it can be from a point of naivety because they are young. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily, and thank God they don't understand, you know, a lot of the dangers with online. I don't, I don't want to teach, you know, our six-year-old about the dangers that you know could potentially come from online platforms but at the same time you know I want to make sure that they're guarded and shield against unnecessary attention when they're so young maybe later on if they make that decision for themselves then they go into that decision eyes wide open with all the research and everything else that goes behind it my my I guess reservation is that we're making that decision for them with our knowledge without them fully being aware sure I think one they if I thought for one second they weren't enjoying it, you'll stop. They love it, they look forward to it, they have fun. Second thing is, we're blessed enough to have a team to manage all the community management. Mm -hmm. If Kyan or Caden were dealing with the audience that we don't recognize, I would never have done it. Okay? They don't even know, they can't even reply, they don't have access to reply to anyone. Mm -hmm. okay? So we have a team of adults, hopefully highly trained, and we continue to train them to protect them from that vulnerability. So, we're blessed, right? Um, but I, if I thought Kyan or Kaden were communicating direct with people, I would never mm -hmm. set up that platform. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you. Just that we're blessed to have a different type of set up, than set up for them. Maybe an individual child going out there and would be different. Online. I totally, I wouldn't, uh -huh. I wouldn't like that. Again, at the same time, they play on Xbox Live, right? And True. there mm -hmm. could be other kids who pretend to be kids and not kids, and just you don't know. Mm -hmm. As an adult, I used to play online poker, and somebody comes and say, "Can I borrow?" A million chips from you and they borrow a million say f you and disappear, and disappear. And, yeah and I was like uh, and I'm 50 years old right so uh -huh. we can never stop sharks taking advantage mm. but um, I 100% agree with you we just we just blessed to be in a position to have a team filtering them but then blessed. social media and online platforms you can't it's the future period when you want to get an app the first thing it says is connect with your Facebook page mm. True. right so that's the that's the world that's the future okay thank you last question so we've talked a lot about you know what Daesh Sudi is good at and his attributes and his successes now I'd like to know what you feel that you're not good at um guys a long list not only one thing. oh no I'll give you a few I don't mind. I'm not good at strategic uh, planning. Okay? To me, too many things are black and white. Mm -hmm. You're either in or you're out. Mm -hmm. When I listen to people who've done well in corporates, they are three or four steps ahead of me. It's like you're playing a game of chess. A grandmaster sees six steps ahead. If you make these moves, this is going to happen. With me, I don't give a shit about the second move. This is me, I'll go in there. And sometimes I burn myself because I've been too black and white, okay? And mm -hmm. I don't have the patience for gray, okay? So that's probably one. Um, mm -hmm. Although I teach, I teach my uh, staff not to talk too much, 
I think maybe I'm too, I air my opinion when it's not needed in my personal life too much. I mean, it's just not needed, right? So why air it? It's, it's only going to create uh, issues. Uh -huh. right? So better not say anything. So I'm learning to be a lot more thoughtful and less outspoken, maybe vocal. Thank you very much. <laughs> and um, um. yeah, I, I want to be the grand old man, the wise old man, wise man. Forget the old bit. I want to be the wise man. That's what I want to be, rather than the the doer and the pusher. And what else? Um, I need more discipline when it comes to my food. I need mm -hmm. to be more disciplined when it comes to my exercise. I need to be more disciplined with the us time. Um, I mean, you and me. I need to be more disciplined with my time with my children. I need to be more disciplined with less distraction from the phone. I'm more focused on being in the now. In the now. Mm -hmm. I don't mind. Actually, you may think it's a, it's a weakness, but I actually think it's a strength whereby I expect the best. If I pay for it, I want the best. And if I don't get it, I air it, right? Uh -huh. and, <laughs> and although, for instance, if I get a really bad service at a hotel or a waiter or a manager or anything, a car company or something, and I air it, I actually think in my mind that I might not like me, but I actually serve them something. Because in later on, they're not going to make that mistake again. Mm. They'll get more tips. True. They get higher salaries. So I, I feel that that confrontation is unnecessary. But for them, long term, I'm doing them a service, if that makes sense. But actually, I don't, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I, I think, you know, when you talk about that confrontation, you're never, you're never confrontational and rude. You're always confrontational, but very polite with it. You know, you, you air it in such a way that the person who's listening doesn't feel insulted, they don't feel, you know, ashamed. You do it actually in a very honourable way, and that's one of the... Thank you, but it all depends on my mood. It, and the circumstances. <laughs> no, but for so, the most part, you're very the, polite. I'll tell you what happened. The other, the other day, I was not in a good place. I was tired, and maybe had a, we had a ding-dong or something, and I was just not in a good place. <laughs> and I went to get some service, and this... This guy, oh yeah, I'll tell you what it was. It was the, for the fourth time, the screen on my Samsung came off. Again, okay. okay? <laughs> and it's a half an hour experience. They've mm. got to take it, put a liquid, put it under the UV light. And the same damn guy serves me every single time. Okay, so we, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, didn't get sleep, we're in a bad place. And inconvenienced and I, by the phone. Inconvenienced by the phone. I see the guy, he looks at me, he tuts. <laughs> right? And then without saying a word, picks up another brand new screen for the fifth time, opens it up and doesn't say a word to me. <laughs> okay? So I'm sitting there wanting And this is building inside I'm sitting of there wanting to kill him, right? <laughs> and that, that to make things worse, <laughs> Samsung manager had decided to put Islamic prayers in the hall of the shop, <laughs> right? I thought uh -huh. it was just prayer time, but this went on for 20 minutes, okay. right? And the store is empty. Now I'm thinking... I care for Where's Samsung. The customer I care for the sales because I'm a sales and marketing guy. This guy hasn't apologized for my inconvenience. He's touching away because I'm inconvenient him. him. <laughs> I just want to kill someone. Oh. So I thought, you know what? Break the pattern. Break the pattern. So I said to him, hey, listen, I know you're focused on fixing my screen, but I'm going to make the shop busy. Okay? And I'm not going to ask for any commission. It looked to me like you're psycho. So I thought, you know, just go with this. Go with this. So... 
I went to the music center and I downloaded some music, but I thought, thought it would bring people into the shop. Within two minutes, uh, the shop was packed. Wow. I changed the music wow. and the shop was packed. And suddenly I got a sense of fulfillment <laughs> that my creativity brought clients into the place. So by this time he was laughing, uh -huh. right? He's changed. He never freaking apologized. But then instead of ignoring me, maybe it wasn't a bad yeah, maybe it wasn't a bad day. He said and said, Thank you so much for waiting and here it is. Mm -hmm. And I left a different energy than I came in because I actually literally want to strangle the guy with the phone cord, right? So <laughs> but then uh -huh. the, I made it I think the sales improved in the hour I was there, the environment changed and I left. And then lo and behold, two days ago the screen comes off and I want to go back and kill the guy. <laughs> right? This, I don't know what they're doing. The stamp screen doesn't fit properly. So uh -huh. it just shows it depends on your mood. But, um, you can control your environment depending on your behavior. Uh, but again, and that was my point, like you, you get the point across, you make your point, but you do it in a... It was that close with not being in a positive way. But, that, but I've never really seen that side where, you know, you've, you've disrespected somebody or, you know, you've done it in such a way that's left them feeling small. You always address the situation and you leave that individual feeling maybe not necessarily empowered at that moment but you know something, something to think about yeah they think about something and then i remember from it. Uh, when i was a waiter and um because i worked since when i arrived in england at age 14 i just worked i've never not worked it's just i don't know what's what i did and i didn't speak english so they gave me jobs that were so mundane that didn't involve <laughs> communication so and i used to be a waiter at weddings mm. and this particular day i'll give you some funny examples and this particular day, I was carrying a tray of pine pods, yes? And of course, they want me to make as little trip as possible, so they pack it with like 20 of them. And I'm, ba I'm 14, 15, <laughs> and I barely can hold this damn thing. And it had revolving doors. Oh, no. So the, I think the bridegroom was doing a speech, and everybody's quiet. And I take this tray, and somebody on the other side pushes the revolving oh, door, no. hits the tray, and they all smash. <laughs> and imagine the whole wedding turned around and looked at me, and I'm like, you know, but, but, but I can't speak English, uh, I don't, this is really embarrassing, I want to die. And the manager comes and says, you stupid idiot, in front of everyone, no, that's just right? Awful. And I, I'd actually quit the job that day, but I thought I'll never ever humiliate someone, because it had nothing to do with my stupidity. Yeah. You know, I was careful, wrong somebody place, on the time. other side just pushed the revolving door, door open. So maybe I was stupid, because I'll give you an example. Previous week, <laughs> Previous week, I don't know if I told you the story. Uh, I gave great service because, oh, again, I worked hard. When my colleagues were messing around, I was doing t twice as much serving vegetables and things. And and I'm always sweat, so they can see me sweating and serving, sweating. This kid is running around his ass off. So the bride's father came to me and gave me a twenty-pound tip. Did I tell you this? I don't. Uh, I don't think so. He gave me a twenty-pound tip, and he oh, said, "Oh yeah, you, you gave." He it said, "Get get get drinks for yourself and your colleagues." So I took the 20 pounds and I thought, that's a lot of money. So I went around to my colleagues and said, does anybody want any drinks? Anybody want any drinks? I went to the kitchen, anybody want any drinks? I said, no. So I gave the guy his 20 pounds back. I said, nobody wanted drinks. And he's like, a strange oh, guy. Okay. <laughs> Later on, somebody said, that's a tip, you idiot. Oh. Right? So I, I was naive. But that's also good karma. Right, you, whatever happened in that moment, maybe you created 40, some good 40 karma. 40 years later, you. it served me well. It but paid like, off, yeah. 40 years later, I remember it. There was another time, like, talking about, like, I train our staff, right? And I was a night shift guy. And three o'clock in the morning, 
I get a call saying that this guy wants this whole main course, food, everything, desserts. And it was just chef and me. I've <laughs> never been taught how to serve anything, uh -huh. right? So I'm packing everything. I'm sticking things in the microwave. The steak comes right now. I had a tray here and most of the tray was on the table. So I put the steak on this side and the turn around to steak something out. <laughs> the weight of the steak flipped the, the, the tray place. onto. So I'm turning around, the steak's on the floor. Oh, no. Desserts, they're all mixed up. So I'm thinking it's three in the morning and I'm gonna go get fired. So I took the steak, put it under the sink, <laughs> washed it, put it there, took the peas that had that had potato heavy, washed them, put it away, put it stuck in the microwave. <laughs> and I get this wishy-washy looking uh -huh. thing and I delivered it. And um <laughs> you so took I went, it to the room. So I'm nervous now. I took it to the room and I knock on the door, not answering. And I'm like, what do I do? And nobody's ever told me what that is. So I leave it there and walk off. They're going to call and complain. So I'm knocking. I'm ringing the doorbell. Imagine I'm 15 or something. And I'm like, what the hell? And I walked in. They were having sex. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm there with a steak. Actually. And I know where that damn thing is. And it's like uh, I've seen bombs going up and down. And I just went. And I think they just caught the back of me as I was leaving the room. Running like, out the like, door. What, 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 what? <laughs> I ran off. I mean, those experiences you can never replace. But again, I was like, "What do you?" I still don't know what you do. Um, Nobody told me that. What would you do? You I got the steak. You ring in the door. I guess I think, you'd ring the bell and you would. Leave oh, you wouldn't leave the, food. the fresh food on the. Or floor. maybe you would leave the food outside and then you would call the, the room phone and, and say, this, "Yeah, your food's outside." Nobody told or, me that. Yeah. See, even that would kind of like, "What yeah. do we do?" Because mm. I've never seen fresh food leave at left at the door. Yeah. Because you go cold. So, <laughs> yeah. Those are very memorable, <laughs> memorable moments. Life, life moments. Mm. Like, there was another time, I was quite, because I used to be into sports, and I used to, in the evenings, I used to glass collecting till two in the morning. Can you imagine, I cycle an hour, I, I get home at three in the morning, because after the nightclub closes. Mm. But I had really strong arms, and I still do in a way. And uh, there was a bouncer, who was like six foot six and stuff like this, huge guy. And he would challenge everybody to arm wrestle. Uh -huh. Okay, and as I'm 16, maybe, I, had to, I think I had to be over 16 to get a job as a glass, glass collector in a bar. But I just worked hard. So this night, I'm in the kitchen, and the guy's like showing off, and he says, yeah, I'll give you an arm wrestle. I went, okay, and I beat him, oh, right? Bad move. He made my life, life hell, hell for the next six months, because I humiliated him in front uh -huh. of everybody, right? Yeah. And I was so naive, I didn't think anything of it. I thought everybody would be proud, uh -huh. right? So, um, yeah, I had to leave because he just made my life hell. And then when I got older, he wouldn't let me in the clubs because <laughs> he was a head doorman. Because I beat You'd him in an arm You'd always be the guy that beat him mm. in an arm So what I've learned now, so if I ever play squash or table football with clients, I always let them beat me. Or manage the compound, your manager. I always let them beat me. Yeah. But I'll make it a close game. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think I've gifted it, but I think they've earned it. Uh, okay. Psychological lessons. Yeah. yeah. And give you a ton of those. <laughs> that leads us Amazing. to our date night. So I'll take you out this weekend. I'll give you some more stories that you didn't some know. Some more stories. I can't And then wait. six months later, you can pretend it was somebody else who told you those stories and or repeat them to me. I can interview you again in six months. So did you know? I've polished my skills and you can tell you're, me all the same stories. Isn't she and I amazing? Can be amazed. <laughs> you're natural and you look gorgeous um, and um, you're amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I feel incredibly awkward, but I've enjoyed this. This has been really nice. Love you. Thank you, love you. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's been very insightful.
extremely interesting. All I can say is thank God you've had your first experience with me. Indeed, my memorable one. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Have an amazing day. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. To stay updated on the latest episodes, follow me on my social media pages at Angela Sudi Official. We look forward to seeing you on the next podcast.